0: Well, good morning to you all. I uh, just like to welcome you to our uh this part of the service. We're gonna come round the Lord's table together, as you know, on a Sunday morning, and remember what he did for us there upon that cruel cross of Calvary for us. He was the one who paid the debt of sin, uh bore the sins of the whole world and uh, suffered uh under the the righteous wrath of God on our behalf so that We might not suffer that, and uh, he rose again, of course, to bring eternal life to all those that would put their trust in him. So, Lord, just bless your word to us, as we come under its influence, let your Holy Spirit move in mighty ways within each of us, and apply the word of God that we will be looking at this morning, let his voice be heard, and let... His name be glorified For Jesus' sake, Amen Well if you remember we are looking at uh, Psalm 91 And if you are going to turn to it It's right in the very middle of the Bible And uh, I'm going to just read the first two verses to us this morning We dealt with the first verse last week Last Sunday morning if you remember And we're going to be looking at uh, the second verse today So listen is what it says He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Now this is a very, very familiar psalm that we are looking at. To many, it is a favourite psalm. Many people would consider it to be a favourite psalm. You know, and in the circumstances that we find ourselves in um, at this point in time, uh, it has become something of an anchor to the souls of men and, wo- uh, men and women. So many people that I spoke to on the phone or, or um, on Facebook or whatever, they have quoted this psalm to me. And uh, I think I told you last week when we, uh, and I introduced this psalm, to you that Pauline has actually read it to me in the conservatory over breakfast quite a number of times since we've been locked in this room together no you know and, um, and therefore um, that's the reason why you've chosen to, to look at it and see what it is actually telling us and to see if we can glean even more confidence and security and stability from the word of God together now if you remember if you can cast your minds back Uh, to last week which of course is quite simple now all you've got to go is scroll down um, the Facebook page and you'll be able to relive it all again but last week we concluded but not dogmatically that it's a psalm that Moses himself wrote probably written in the wake of the plague of the fiery serpents in the wilderness uh, when the children of Israel were moving from Egypt into the promised land which took them 40 years and there were quite a number of incidents that took place uh, during that 40 years and the plague of serpents coming into the camp was one of them and this is I think what um, Moses is actually referring to uh, when he talks about the things that he does later on in the psalm and I believe that he wrote this song this song or psalm in order to show the children of Israel how to cope when they enter the promised land to know their God in such a way Moses wouldn't go with them because he was going to die before they got in there and uh, they would be moving into unknown territory but they had this uh, testimony of a God who had been with them for 40 years who had rescued them from Egypt from Pharaoh and from that regime and had walked with them through the wilderness and that he would actually enter into the promised land with them so Moses is given the benefit of his experience of God what he has seen God do how he has seen God move in order for them to cope when they entered the promised land now this one we saw last week is a great statement of truth it's a statement of truth he Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So if you dwell, then you will certainly receive the blessings of his presence. We saw last week that it's open to everyone. But not everyone will benefit because not everyone will take advantage of God's wonderful blessing. You know, and it's, it's certain for those who do dwell. It's certain for those who do put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and live in the light of his, of his glory. The blessings include security and fruitfulness in the Christian walk. And I suppose that every Christian or every person in the world today would long for security and fruitfulness. You know, and it's found you. And, you know, the secret is you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he who puts all of his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, will abide under his shadow, under his security, under his stability. So that's the statement of truth. And, you know, it's all well and good to know the statement of truth. You know, I, I would say that it is imperative that you and I, know the truth and that we actively engage in pursuits that will bring us such knowledge and such understanding of the truth. That I think is of the utmost importance. You know the Bible is full of truth. It's full of promises of God. It's full of moments where we can see how God moves and what He desires and you know it's imperative uh, that we Make sure that we spend our time in the word of God and get to know his truth. To know what we believe as Christians is essential in the Christian walk with God. You know, and rather than than being blown about by everything that comes along, the Bible says I'm blown about by every wind and doctrine, we will enjoy the stability that comes from such understanding. You see, God, He's so gracious, you know, you know, we would never find Him if He didn't make Himself available to us. We would never know Him if He hadn't revealed Himself to us. You know, and He has revealed quite a number of things to us that He desires that we know. You know, for instance, the Bible, He tells us, is His Word, it's His infallible Word. Jesus, he tells us, is his beloved Son. The death of Christ, he tells us, is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, the resurrection of Christ, he tells us, is a bodily one. Therefore, Christ has defeated the grave, defeated death. His exaltation to the throne of God is an eternal one. You know, and his presence with us is a continuous one. And our salvation is a secure one. You know, and they are some of the things that God wants us to know. You know, and that's some of the things that he has uh, written in his word for us to have this uh, assurance and confidence that whatever circumstance we go through, God is with us. And God is working out his purposes in us, through us, and for us. Now, if our circumstances were different, I could take you to a thousand churches this morning where all these things, all these things are known and ritually repeated by the congregation each Sunday morning. And yet at the same time, that same congregation is oblivious to the power of such truths because That's what they are. They are truths. They are powerful truths. But the problem in so many churches is that they get no further than the sheet that they printed on or the screen that they are projected onto. And that's why I believe Moses has written the second verse for us. You know, the psalm goes on and Moses goes into verse 2. And here we find him replaying his own personal experience of that statement of truth. And I want you to notice just how personal it is. How personal Moses has made this truth that God has shown him. This to what it says. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and he is my fortress and he is my God. In him will I trust. You see, this is personal. You know, and this is how God has revealed himself to Moses. You know, and this is how God reveals himself to us. I know that this is how God has revealed himself to me. So what has Moses done? He's taken the statement of truth off the sheet it was written on or off the screen that it was projected on and he has applied it to himself. He's applied it to himself, And do you know that if we don't do that in our own lives, then we will never benefit from who God is and from what God has done for us. Because statements of truth, however essential they are, they have no effect on us unless we live in the light of them. You know, and so this psalm, when we come to verse 2, ceases to be just a statement of truth and becomes a personal testimony of how God reveals himself to a life that is fully dependent upon him. You know, verse 1 is how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. The promise of security. The promise of success. The promise of victory, the prom- promise of freedom from Pharaoh came from the lips of God himself. But verse 2 is how God conducted himself in the burning desert. Because there he fulfilled those promises. You know, he he really made those promises real in the life of Moses. And Moses could point to moments In his life, when God came up with the promises that he had given him at the burning bush. He fulfilled the promises of of God in the everyday struggles of confrontation with the enemy and the everyday rigours of wilderness life. You know, that's what he does to us. Words on a page are great because we know what God is about. But when they come off the page into our hearts, into our experience. And we can see God doing in our lives what he has promised to do in his word. You know, we, we come, um, I know we don't come very far today. We sit in our own lounges or wherever we are listening uh, to this. But usually I would say that week by week we come to the church or we come to moments like this to see what God has revealed himself to be through his precious word. you know the teaching of the Bible builds up within us a very large body of truth. There are more statements of truth that we can glean from the scriptures. I've called them a stockpile of building bricks of faith. You want know today is no different? Yes, we're in uh, different circumstances are uh, today in different surroundings you know the experience is a totally different one but little else has changed we've presented ourselves before the open word of god in order to build upon what we already know about him you know, and this morning you and i are spending our time at the burning bush we are here finding out what god is like we are here finding out what god has done we are here looking into what god is going to do we are here to find out what god thinks about us and so on but tomorrow tomorrow we will be spending our time in the burning wilderness see we've been to the burning bush but now we're going to go into the burning wilderness and sometimes amongst fiery serpents, always amongst the murmurings of the multitude and always in the midst of temptation and testing. But it's there in the burning wilderness that we we will see the God of words and promises becoming the God of actions. You know, it's there that the knowledge of God's will becomes the experience of God's presence. It's there that we begin to extract from this stockpile of faith, building bricks with which to construct our lives as we live them out for Christ in all of our circumstances. Is there that we will be able to cl- exclaim with Moses, I will say of the Lord he is my refuge. See, what we learn today, we can put in practice tomorrow. You know, I've said so often that what we do uh, as we come round God's word together like this is training. Training. It's in the world that we face the reality of living our Christian lives. And it's in the world that God becomes for us and in us what we've learned in our study. So we can see how imperative it is to know the truth because then it holds us in good stead when we live out the truth and God becomes so real to us. Now when you look at this verse you can see that the personal testimony of Moses is rooted in his understanding Of the name of his God. This is what he says. I will say of the Lord. Of the Lord. So much of God is bound up in the name of the Lord. In fact David says in Psalm 138. I will worship towards you a holy temple. And I will praise your name. For your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name, in other words, God's word, his reputation, his character is all bound up in his name. Now that isn't completely alien to us uh, today because you and I we base our assumptions upon what name a person has, you know, for instance, if we want a job done in a house, we choose the people. We wish to do that job by the type of name that he has in the community. You know, I've just had my bathroom there, Uh, a shower room put downstairs. You know, you've got a plumber living two doors up. And he came in and he did the most amazing job. You know, uh, his work is good and he's very effective in what he did. And I would recommend him to anyone because in doing something for me, he has shown that he he has a reputation to do. And I would be confident in recommending him to someone else. I would say, well, he's got a good name. You know, and that's the best form of advertising. This word of mouth. We give credence to a person's ability and trustworthiness and and moses is doing exactly the same thing it's the name of god you know and moses invokes the name that is above every other name now what is the name of god well the word lord comes from the hebrew word jehovah or the the modern way we say it today is yahweh yahweh you know and um that's what I'd like us to think about for the next few moments before we come to an end this morning. And I want to ask you, how have you come to this place this morning as individuals? You no, know, we live in a world that is steaming towards destruction. It's passing through all kinds of chaos and confusion. Fear is rife. You know, doom and gloom are being propagated by our mainstream media. We may be tempted to explain where is it all going to end? What's it all going to come to? You know, and I would ask you this morning, are you fearful? Are we alarmed? Are we despondent? You know, and if so, then what we need more than anything else is a revelation of the name of Jehovah or Yahweh you know if only we could realise like Moses did what his name would tell us if we were to come to such a realisation I would say that all of our trepidation would actually melt away you know it's quite significant that Moses received this revelation of God's name while he was at the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, it says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, I sent you. You know, so we can see that this I am, this Jehovah is the self-existent one. He doesn't depend on anyone. He is outside of everything. He is the eternal one. So there is no end to him. There is no in no demise." in his future and he is the unchanging one so that what he says today he means today but he mean that tomorrow and the day after we can trust people who are unchanging you know we can long to be eternal we can trust the one who is self-existent and this is the one that we are dealing with In our psalm this morning. And more particularly. This is the one who is part of our experience. Because if he's unchanging. When Moses met him. Then he's unchanging. When we meet him. He's the same God. And his promises are the same promises. And his reputation is the same reputation. So we are beginning to understand. Why Moses is able to trust in God. And we're beginning to understand. Why we Unable to trust in God. You know, it's also significant that Moses was the first person that God ever revealed himself to in this way. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 6. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty. But, my, but by my name, Jehovah, I was not known to them. You know, to Abraham and them, he was Almighty God. He was Creator God. You know, that's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that we serve an Almighty God. It's wonderful to know that he is our Creator. He is our Sustainer. But once we come to know the name Jehovah, it seems to me that it's getting more personal. You see, not only does the name suggest power, raw power, the name Jehovah would suggest to us covenant, relationship, and redemption. You see, raw power can be very, very frightening. Very, very frightening. Especially if you don't know, or if you don't trust the one who has it. You know, we can look at over history, and we can see people rise with raw power, untouchable power, and they become monsters on the scene of time but you see here is a person with all authority all the power and yet he is one who has entered into a covenant with us he is one that is set to redeem us and he is one who uses that power in order to bring benefit to us and then, therefore, the power of God, rather than frighten us and scare us, becomes for us the source of ultimate comfort, of security, of well-being and peace. You see, Moses had the full complement of omnipotence behind him. And yet, alongside that, he had this understanding Of a relationship with him. You know when he went to Pharaoh. He knew that behind him was the all-conquering God. He knew that behind him was the one who loved him. With an everlasting love. You know that's the difference. Between the beast that exercises raw power. And the God or Jehovah. Who exercises raw power but in love. And in grace, and in mercy, you know. Listen to what uh, it says. When um, when Moses went to the children to the to, to Pharaoh, therefore say to the children of Israel, "I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you." From their bondage. And I will redeem you. With an outstretched arm. And great judgments. And I will bring you. Into the land which I swore. To give to Abraham. And Isaac. And Jacob. You know and with such raw power. And authority. Could Moses fail? Of course he couldn't. You know and this is his testimony. He'd seen that power in action. And yet he'd felt the security. Of the relationship as well. He'd seen the havoc that it had heaped upon his enemies but he'd known the freedom that he had gotten from uh, being reconciled to the God of all power. Now then, that's all well and good. but I'd like to take you to another passage of Scripture uh, before we come to an end and that's Joshua chapter 2. And in Joshua chapter 2 we hear Rahab's testimony She speaking to the spies if you remember just before they went into the promised land uh, Joshua sent spies in and they came to the place called Jericho and it was Rahab who took them in and this is what she said I know that Jehovah has given you this land that the terror of you has fallen, fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how Jehovah dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites uh, who were on the other side of the Jordan, sea and og, whom you utterly destroyed. We saw that. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain. Any more courage. In anyone. Because of you. For the Lord. For Jehovah. You are God. He is the God in heaven. Above. And in earth. Beneath. You know, and she says. Exactly what Moses has said. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. And my fortress. My God In him will I trust. But there's a sadness to that testimony. Because we know the story. How the children of Israel did not trust the Lord. To take them into the promised land. And for 40 years. They wandered about aimlessly in the desert. Why? Because they hadn't seen what Moses saw. They only saw giants and problems and defeat. When all the time the enemy were defeated because of the power of God. But they wouldn't trust the name of Jehovah. See, that name hadn't dawned on them. And with fear and trembling, they let the enemy get the better of them and they never saw the hand the land that God had already given to them. So that's very, very sad. They needed a personal revelation of who God is. And I would say, what a waste. How foolish these people, that the God of all power and all covenant, and they failed to push through. But what about us? We have the same God. His name is is still the same. His power hasn't diminished in the least. His compassions, they fail not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our enemies, whatever they may be, whether they be physical enemies, spiritual, mental, emotional, they are already under the powerful heel of Almighty God. And in his covenant with you and with me, because of his redeeming power, he is fighting for you. But do you trust him? Have you seen his name? Do you know who he is? Are you living in the victory that Christ has won for you? Or are you under the circumstances? Or are you struggling in fear and trembling? Or are you wandering aimlessly through some? Desert of mediocrity. I say to you. What a waste. How foolish. What you need. Is a new revelation. Of who God is. So that you. Like Moses. Could rise up today. And say. I will say. Of the Lord. He is my refuge. And he is my fortress. My God. In whom I will trust and I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal that very name to you this morning that will give you the confidence to move through this life, this Christian life with him knowing that he has got everything that you need and in no way will he withhold anything from you. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, and may the King answer us when we call. Amen. Amen.